All right, if you would, open your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. We'll begin reading in verse 7. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, an hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth. There was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. And we'll end our reading there. Let's bow before our Lord together. Our God and our Father, we do bow in worship before you. We bow before your throne of grace. So thankful that we can come before a throne of grace. And Father, we come daring only pleading the, the obedience, the righteousness, and the blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness is the only righteousness we have and how thankful we are to be accepted in it. His blood is the only way our sin can be forgiven. How thankful we are to be washed in his precious blood. Father, we thank you. And Father, we've gathered here together this evening to attempt to worship your matchless name. And I pray you would condescend in the person of your spirit to meet with us And Father, enable us to worship. Enable us to worship in spirit and in truth. To not just go through the motions of religion. But to hear a word from thee. To hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to from the heart worship. In awe and wonder and thanksgiving to worship you. Father, speak to us. And take your word and apply it to each heart here tonight, I pray. Enable us to believe on. Rest in our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we pray for ourselves here this evening, Father, we pray for all of your people, wherever they may be, that you'd bless your word where it's preached, to your glory. Father, in this dark and difficult day, would you reveal to this world your redemptive glory through the preaching of Christ our Savior. Continue to call out your sheep, feed and comfort and edify your sheep. Father, we're thankful for the many blessings of this life you've given to us to enjoy today. How rich, how rich you've made us. Richly you've blessed us. And Father, we're thankful. We know everything we have has come from thy hand and thy goodness, not because we deserve it. And we're thankful. Father, we're thankful for these little ones that you've given to us. And Father, we continue to pray for them. Lord, would you bless them, protect them, cause them to grow well and strong, to to get a good education and be able to to go out into the world, be able to stand on their own two feet. Father, be with them and protect them. And above all, Father, how we pray mercy for their souls. Oh, would you be merciful. Cause us to be faithful to them, to faithfully teach them the scriptures. Father, we pray that you would do what only you can do and, and open the word, open your word to their hearts. Father, for those that you've brought in the time of trial and trouble, we pray for them. 
Again, we're thankful. Thankful to know these things have come from thy hand, not an accident. Father, we pray you'd be with your people to comfort and lead and guide and direct and deliver according to thy will. Now, all these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Right, I've titled the message this evening, The Death of a Believer. Our text is an account of the death and the, the burial of Abraham. Now, we've spent some time looking through the life of Abraham. And you'd have to say Abraham is a great man of faith, wasn't he? But this great man of faith, you know, he's going to die the same way all of us are going to die. For the same reason all of us are going to die. Because of sin. Each one of us here tonight will go through this experience of death the same way Abraham did, unless the Lord returns first. Now, as I told you Sunday morning, there's no comfort for our hearts in the death of an unbeliever. The death of an unbeliever is just its so sad to think about because now there's no hope left for that person. We had hope for them as long as they were still alive, didn't we? Maybe they'd hear. Maybe they'd. Maybe the Lord would be pleased to reveal himself to them. Maybe the Lord would be pleased to call them and give them faith to believe the gospel. We had that hope for them while they lived. Maybe, maybe the Lord's able. We know that. But now after they're dead, there's no hope. But we still have a funeral, don't we? We have a funeral for that person. and You know, that, that person's family can get together and, and they can enjoy talking about, reminiscing about things, how we do. They can remember good times they had with, with their loved one. They can remember something touching their loved one did, something funny they did. And that's helpful for the family. We ought to do that. You know, that, it's, it's just a way to say goodbye, morning, and that's helpful. But at that time, there's no real comfort for the soul, is there? We can have fond memories of the past, but, but there's no comfort for the soul. And speaking as a preacher, I can tell you that preaching the funeral of an unbeliever is it's the hardest preaching I've ever done. It's hard because there's no hope. But the death of a believer, and that's what we're looking at tonight, it's a very different story. Those of us who are left behind, now we're sad. We grieve the the loss of our loved one. We can't be with them anymore, enjoy time together with them anymore. But when a believer dies, now there's sorrow, isn't there? We mourn. But there's also comfort. And truthfully, there's even joy, isn't there? There's even joy in the Lord because of what the Lord's done for them. And that's such, that's such a comforting thing to our souls to, to be able to know. And that's what I want us to look at tonight in the death of Abraham. See, see this picture of the death of a believer. Every person here who believes on Christ is going to die just like Abraham did in these four ways. The four words of comfort that I see in our text in the death of a believer. And the first point is this. Abraham died at the time appointed by God. Verse 7 of Genesis 25 says, And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, in hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man, full of years, and was gathered to his people. Now, I want you to notice how the scripture says this. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. Abraham lived 175 years. Those years went by so quickly. They're described as days. The days of the years of his life. 
Jacob said the same thing. Remember when Joseph was, was down there in, in Egypt and he brought his family down there and, and he wanted to introduce his father to Pharaoh. And he took Jacob in there to, to meet Pharaoh. And the writers say Pharaoh was very impressed. They said this is probably the oldest person he'd ever seen. And he asked Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. He described those those years in days. And I point that out because we would do well, you and me, to remember this life is going to pass so quickly. Scripture full of references of that. David said Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days, not our years, number our days for this reason, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. These years pass so quickly. And I hope God give us wisdom. Give us some grace to use those years to apply our hearts to seeking wisdom. Seeking Christ who who is the wisdom of God. Abraham lived 175 years. And that word years is used there. That word means a measure of time or a lifetime. The Lord gave an exact measure of time to be the lifetime for Abraham. And Abraham lived that time exactly. He lived that appointed time exactly. Not one second more and not one second less. Verse 8 says that Abraham died full of years. He died full of the years that God gave him. He didn't miss one of them. But you know, that's true of every person. Not just Abraham. Not just believers. That's true of every person. We all live the exact measure of time that the Lord gives us. Now, it's my advice to you. You know, take care of your health. Have some sense about this thing. Exercise, eat right. Earl, maybe we should start doing yoga. I don't know. Do do something, you know. Do it so you'll feel better. As long as you're here. It's not going to add any any years. It's not going to add a minute to your life. But you feel better as long as you're here. That makes it worth doing. But it's just, we're going to live this disappointed time God's given us. As I was studying for this message, I read, I don't remember who it was, some old writer. I'm glad I forgot his name, so I won't hold this against him. But he, he wrote this in his commentary. He said, every preacher is immortal until God's time for them is finished. And I thought, what an arrogant thing to say about preachers. I read that, and later on that afternoon, I told my son Clark, I said, I read this afternoon, what do you think about this? I told him what this man said. Every preacher is immortal till God's pleased to, to bring him home, until God's time then is finished. And Clark thought about that for a second. He said, well, that's true, but it's not the truth. <laughs> that is an excellent way to put that. Because this is true of every human being. Every human being, believer and unbeliever alike, we're immortal until God's time for us is finished. We're all going to live this exact allotted amount of time and then we'll die but now remember i'm talking specifically now about the death of a believer the lord's given us an appointed measure of time to be our lifetime and we would do well to use that time wisely to redeem the time in ephesians 5 verse 16 paul said redeeming the time because the days are evil now these we live in evil days don't we Now redeem the time. Let's do our best to to use our time wisely to 
to seek the Lord, to, to worship the Lord, to, to be a help and encouragement to people, to, to be a help and encouragement to the spread of the gospel. We've got an exact amount of time. I sure hate to waste it, don't you? I, I hate to waste time. In verse 8, it says that Abraham died in a good old age. And that means at a good time. That's what the literal translation is. Abraham died at a good time. God's appointed time for Abraham to die was a good time. It was the best time for this to happen, for Abraham to die. And the same thing's true of you and me. It'll be at a good time. It, it, you know, it may be inconvenient for our families, but it'll be the best time. And I thought about having that time somewhere out there in the future, appointed for me to die. And I'm glad I don't know when it is. I really am glad I don't know when it will be. And since I don't know when that appointed time for my death will be, I hope I seek to make the most out of today. Because we're not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow may not come for us. It may be the end of our appointed time. I think we'd be wise to use the time God's given us well. Don't you? Well, here's the second thing. Abraham did not die until he had done everything that the Lord had given him to do. Now you think about this. Abraham's 75 years old and he didn't know God. First time God ever spoke to Abraham, Abraham's 75 years old. That's already an old man. He's already an old man. The Lord said, now come out of your father's house. Go to a place I'll show you. You know, Abraham's an old man now. But he lived long enough to go to that land and spend some time sojourning there. Because that's what the Lord had for him to do. Abraham was already an old, childless man. He's unable to produce children. His wife is unable to produce children. And the Lord promised him, you're going to have a son, Abraham. You're going to have a son by Sarah. Not just any son. son by any, a son by Sarah. And the whole world is going to be blessed in that son. Because the Savior of sinners is coming through that son. Now Abraham was an old man. He couldn't have children anymore. Sarah couldn't have children anymore. She'd already gone through menopause. But Abraham lived long enough to see that child, didn't he? And other children and grandchildren. He lived long enough because that's what God had given for him to do. Abraham spent 75 years being an idolater. You know he was steeped in that. He was steeped in this thing of whatever idolatrous religion he was in. But Abraham couldn't die that way, could he? He couldn't die in that idolatry. You know why? God had chosen Abraham unto salvation. He's got to meet God. He's got to be given faith in God. And Abraham lived long enough to that happen, didn't he? God introduced himself to Abraham. Gave Abraham faith in God. He became the friend of God. That will happen to you and me too. God's chosen us salvation. Won't Abraham lived long enough to see I mean, to understand, he saw this by faith. How is it that Almighty God is going to bless every nation of the earth through his son, through his son Isaac? God promised him that, and Abraham lived long enough to see how it's going to happen. He saw a picture of it. Remember, he took his son Isaac up to that mountain, the place God had shown him, Mount Moriah. And Abraham got ready to sacrifice his son, just like God told him to do. But God told him to stop. And Abraham turned, behind him was a ram, caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham took that ram, and he offered him up in the stead of his son Isaac. They watched that ram die 
his blood drain out, his, his body die, and his body be burned to ash on, on that fire in the stead of Isaac, in the place of Isaac. Isaac lived because that ram died at his substitute. And at that moment, by faith, Abraham saw. He saw God's redemption for sinners. It's going to be accomplished through the sacrifice of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God is going to die as a sacrifice for His people. His death is going to satisfy God's justice and God's mercy. Enable God to His justice to be satisfied. Enable Him to be merciful to sinners and give them life and faith in Christ. Abraham saw how this is going to happen. And oh, he was glad. Oh, he was glad Isaac was still alive too, wasn't he? But he fully expected to come down from that mountain with Isaac. He told his servants, you men stay, stay here by the, by, the, by the mules and I'm the latter going to go yonder and worship and come again. He expected Isaac to be coming down from that mountain. I tell you the tree that Abraham got up there. He saw my day and was glad, the Savior said. He saw by faith how God's going to save sinners. And the same thing's true about the life of every believer. You're going to do what God's given you to do. You think, I, I can't do that. I don't see how I'm going to do it. God will enable you. You're going to do it. We'll do everything that the Lord has purposed for us to do. Hopefully, I would, you know, in serving His kingdom, but whatever it is, the days or the years of our lives, we're going to do what God's given us to do. And when the time comes at the end, you know, we may be planning to do something. We may want to do something that we won't be able to do it because our last day has come. The Lord calls us home. But that's all right. That's all right. We weren't meant to do it anyway. It's something I wanted to do, but I must not meant to do it because the Lord took me home. Yeah, I read sometime, I don't remember about somebody famous. I don't know if it was Albert Einstein or who it was. Somebody smart, industrious. When this man died, they went and looked at his desk. His, his death was full of projects he was working on, things he was thinking of. He had him a to-do list sitting in the middle of his desk. He never got to do his to-do list, did he? Because, but he, you know, he died active. He died with, but he didn't get to do it. And that's all right. That's all right. His appointed time came. And you and I, you know, I, I hope I still got a to do list. I hope I'm not just sitting around, you know, doing nothing. I hope I still got a to do list. And if we don't do it, that's all right. We'll have done everything God gave us to do. Not one thing will be left undone. Thirdly, Abraham died satisfied. In verse 8, you'll see it says Abraham at the end, he died full of years. Well, those words of years were added by the translators. What Moses actually wrote was Abraham died full. He died full. And that word full means satisfied. Abraham died satisfied. And also in verse 8 says he died an old man. And that just doesn't mean he was had a lot of years on him. It means he's one of the respected elders. Abraham lived long enough to earn respect from the people that knew him, from the respect from the people that, that lived around him. He earned their respect. He was a respected man. But Abraham wasn't satisfied with himself. Abraham was not satisfied with what he'd done. He wasn't satisfied with himself and how he handled so many different situations. He got towards the end. He, he probably knew that, you know, the end was relatively close. And he looked back over his life. And he thought, my goodness, 
Oh, I made lots of mistakes. I made lots of mistakes. Abraham thought about how he's disappointed in himself. He's not satisfied in himself. He thought about when he went down there that heathen country and he told Sarah, now you tell him you're my sister so they don't kill me so they can marry you. Not once, but twice. And Abraham just, I'm so ashamed. I'm so, I'm so disappointed in myself that I did that. He thought about how after God promised him a child, ten years later he had no child. And he listened to Sarah. Sarah said, God must want us to do our part. You marry my handmaid and I'll have a son by her. And Abraham listened to her and he did. And boy, he was disappointed. He disappointed in himself. Now, you know Abraham loved Ishmael. He loved him. He loved That's his son. But he was disappointed. He didn't trust the Lord better than that. And wait on the Lord to send a child like he promised to. He was disappointed. Abraham was disappointed in himself. He had to look back and think, Oh, I have caused Hagar and Ishmael so much pain. I had to send them away. Just put what little they care on their back and send them into the wilderness. I had to do that to my son. I know, I know that caused him pain. Now he knew Sarah was right. The son of the bond woman cannot be heir of the son of the free woman. But he hated that. He was so disappointed in himself that, that he caused this situation to send them out in the wilderness like that. Abraham may never have seen him again. I, scripture doesn't give an account of it at any rate. He had to be disappointed in that. Abraham was a great man of faith. But when he looked at what he'd done, he, he, he couldn't see one thing that he'd done that he couldn't have done better. It was mixed with sin. That's why he's dying. Because everything he'd done mixed with sin. I thought of uh, Henry one time. Said that, he said, I look back over my life and he said, I'd do everything. If I had to do over again, I'd do everything different. There's that Doris. He said, well, except Doris. I'd marry her again. <laughs> but then uh, we'd do everything all different, wouldn't we? We're just not satisfied with what we've done. <laughs> Yet Abraham died satisfied, Scripture says. Not with himself. He died satisfied with Christ. And if you're a believer, that's the way you're going to die too. You're going to look back and say, oh, oh, the mistakes I made. I hope they don't tell that story sitting around the visitation at my funeral. I'm so, I'm so ashamed of that. I wish nobody would remember that. I'm so dis, disappointed the way I did that. I made lots of mistakes. But I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with Christ. I'm satisfied with the righteousness of Christ. I'm satisfied to trust my soul to Christ alone. It's in His hands. It do with what He will. And I'm satisfied that it's there. Because he has the power to save and I don't. I'm satisfied with the righteousness of Christ. His is the only righteousness that I want. Oh, to be, be able to stand accepted in Christ's righteousness. In his perfect obedience. I'm satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with my obedience, my law keeping or my decision making. I've made so many mistakes. I've done just everything wrong. But I'm satisfied with the righteousness of Christ. I'm fully satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. Now, I'm not satisfied with my sin at all. I hate my sin. I wish I didn't do it. I wish I hadn't done what I'd done in the past. But I'm not afraid to face God in judgment. Because I'm satisfied that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, 
cleanses me from all my sin. His blood's so precious. His blood can pay my sin that I can't. So I'm satisfied with his sacrifice. And I'm fully satisfied with how the Lord has led me through this life. There's been lots of ups and downs. And if we live very much longer, there's going to be lots more ups and downs. <laughs> and a lot more. But I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied the Lord has done all things well. Every step I've taken, He took first. Remember there in John 10, the Lord comes, He talks about the good shepherd. He calls His sheep from the sheepfold and He leads them out. Every step those sheep take, they're following the Savior. He's been with me every step of the way. His grace has been sufficient for every valley and every mountaintop too. I'm fully satisfied with Christ. I'm fully satisfied with the gospel of Christ. I tell you, this gospel that we preach, the gospel of God's sovereign, saving grace, it's the only gospel that tells the truth about me. Any other so-called gospel that gives me things to do in order to be saved, that gospel's lying. It's not telling the truth. It's not telling the truth about me. Because I can't do anything well enough to please God. I can't. I can't obey God's law. This gospel that we preach, the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace, if a sinner's going to be saved, it's got to be by grace. That gospel tells the truth about me. Because I'm a sinner who's undone, ruined in Adam, incapable of doing anything righteous. And where does that leave me? Totally dependent on God to save me by His grace. He's got to do all the saving for me. Now that gospel tells the truth, doesn't it? And that truth satisfies a guilty sinner. That's why I'm satisfied with this gospel. This gospel that we preach, it's also the only, truth, the only gospel that tells the truth about God. Any other so-called gospel that says, now you do better, you start doing better, and God will accept you. You just do the best that you can. As long as you're sincere, God will accept you. Anybody preaching that message is not telling the truth about God. Not according to this book, they're not. This book says God's holy. This book says God can't even look on sin. So to say God's going to accept the best that I can do, even though it's polluted with sin, well, that's a lie. That's a lie. But the gospel that God's given us to preach and believe says God is holy. We do. We boldly declare this. God cannot look on sin. He cannot. But God's also gracious. God's also merciful. So God did what only God can do. He took the sin of His people away from them. He took it away from them. And He made that sin belong to His Son. And then He killed His Son as a sacrifice for that sin. And that sacrifice, the sacrifice of God's darling Son who came in the flesh, put all that sin away. So it's gone. There's no sin left to be charged to God's people. Christ took it away. It's gone. Now God can be just, can't He? There's no sin to charge. No sin to punish. It's already been punished. And that lets God show mercy to sinners. But that salvation, the salvation of a holy God, has to be through a sacrifice that pays for sin and injustice, doesn't it? This gospel that we preach is the only gospel that declares that. The only one. And that gospel satisfies a sinner. 
That's the salvation a sinner like me needs. Because our gospel declares a salvation that cannot be lost. I think it was last Sunday's bulletin. There's an article by Bruce Crabtree. I can't mess it up. That, that's the salvation I need. One I cannot mess up. Any so-called gospel that says salvation depends on me accepting Jesus and letting, letting Him into my heart so He can be my personal Savior, that message is a lie. Because that message makes God dependent on me. That message means God's not sovereign. must mean I am. It's up to me. It's up to me. Well, according to this book, now that's a lie. I'll tell you one thing's obvious. You, you, just, you don't have to read past the first one or two verses of this book to find out God's sovereign. God said, let there be light. And there's light. <laughs> God's sovereign. He always does His will. Whatever it is God purposed to do, He's going to do it. He's not frustrated. But the gospel we preach, the gospel of God's grace, says that the Father chose a people to save. And those people shall be saved. I know they will because God's going to see to it. The sovereign God's going to make sure it happens. The Son of God came to save them. He came to establish righteousness. Now the Son of God came to establish righteousness for His people. Then that righteousness is established. You know how I know that? The Son of God did it. He couldn't fail, could He? Of course He he did what He came to do. He established righteousness for His people. By His sacrifice, He put their sin away. And God the Holy Spirit comes and He gives those people faith. He gives them faith so they believe Christ and love Christ. He gives them life in the new birth. Then those people can never die. <laughs> they can't. Because God's the one that gave them life. They can never die. It can never be lost. See, I'm fully satisfied with that gospel. The gospel of God's grace. Because that gospel is the only gospel that lets a sinner like me rest my soul. I'm resting it on what God has done and what God has promised, not on what I... I cannot have any rest in what I've done. <laughs> well, I start looking at what I've done, all I look back and see is mistakes. Isn't it you? But I can rest in what God's done. Because what He does is perfect. And there's one more thing about being satisfied. I know this. I'm fully satisfied with Christ. With His gospel, I'm fully satisfied with it. Now, I'm not satisfied myself. I'm satisfied with Him. I know this. This is another reason I'm so satisfied with this gospel, with this Savior. He's going to be satisfied. Because He cannot fail to save His people from their sin. He's going to be satisfied. He shall see the travail of His soul and be what? Satisfied. He's satisfied. That I will be too. Because <laughs> He's not going to lose one that He came to save. And a believer, however the experience of death goes, will die fully satisfied with Christ. And once we pass through that veil of death, you know what? Oh boy. Then we'll be satisfied, won't we? Isn't that what David said in Psalm 17? As for me, I'll behold thy face in righteousness. I'll be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Oh, we're going to die satisfied 
And then we're going to be satisfied like we can't imagine. (laughs) Satisfied. Here's the fourth thing. Abraham is now resting in Christ. He's resting with Christ and in Christ. Same thing is true of every believer when we die. Verse 9 says that his sons Isaac and Ishmael came back and buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. I think it's interesting. I don't know if Abraham ever saw Ishmael again, but scripture does say Ishmael came back to bury his father, to help Isaac bury his father, even though Abraham cast him out. Now I've known people with family difficulties And those hurt feelings run deep, don't they? They run deep. They're hard to get over. Maybe this says something about Abraham's character. Even even though he cast Ishmael out, Ishmael still loved him. And he wouldn't miss his funeral. He came back to the funeral. And he came back to do the work of burying him. And they buried him in that cave, Machpelah. You remember we studied that cave, Machpelah. It's the only land... And land, or only piece of land, and that land God promised Abraham's descendants, Abraham ever owned, is filled with a cave in it to be used as a burial tomb. And that word Machpelah means double and portion. All of God's people are going to die with a double portion. Christ has put our sin away by his precious blood, and he's given us a new nature that can never sin. That nature can't mar. The new, we've got a new nature that can't mar the salvation Christ accomplished for us. It's the double portion. And when a believer dies, our flesh is going to be buried. And it's going to decay back to the dust from whence it was made. The dust of Abraham's body is still here. Somewhere in that cave, or maybe the wind blew it around. I don't know. But his, his, the dust of his flesh is here somewhere. Abraham's with the Lord. Abraham's with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. See, for a believer, as soon as the body dies, this flesh stays here. It's just dead flesh. It's got to be buried out of sight. But that new man, born of God, immediately leaves this clay shell and goes to be with the Lord. He's fit to enter straight into the presence of the thrice holy God. Because he's got a holy, righteous nature. That new man is able to leave this body and immediately open his eyes in glory and be satisfied because he sees the Lord face to face. Been made just like him. And there he'll be forever. There he'll be forever. And until then, the body rests in the grave. Abraham's body resting beside Sarah's body. They're resting. All they're doing is just waiting there for the resurrection. Remember, that's what this cave of Machpelah was all about. It was a resting place, a place for God's, the bodies of God's people to rest. And it was the only land in Canaan Abraham ever owned, a cemetery. But that place was a place of rest that God had given for the bodies of his people. And they'll, they'll rest until the resurrection. When those bodies will be raised incorruptible, body and soul joined back together, And Paul said, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Same thing is true of every believer. 
That doesn't make death so bad, does it? <laughs> doesn't make death so bad, does it? I don't know what to say about that. Maybe we quit fearing it so much. Start treating it a little more seriously with, with a little more open eyes about what this thing is. This thing of death is coming. Now it's coming. But for the believer, there's no reason to fear it. Well, I don't know why we're just doing everything we can do to hang on to these bodies. It's just um, take care of them as long as you got them. It's the only one you're ever going to have in this life. But it's not going to be a bad thing laid down, is it? It just won't be a bad thing laid down. All right. Well, I hope that'll be a, a blessing and help to you. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you for these comforting words concerning the death of your dear children. A believer, a child of God. Father, cause these things to to comfort our hearts and to, to teach us how to number our days and apply our hearts to wisdom in these days that you've given us, that we might be a, a help and encouragement to other people, to point folks to Christ, to, to be a help and encouragement to each other. Don't let us be a, a stumbling block to one another, but cause us to be a help and encouragement one to another as we continue through shoulder to shoulder on this journey through this world below, to your pleas to call us home. Father, get glory to your name through this message we pray. It's in Christ's name, for his sake we pray.